0: To Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 is uh, our, our next area. We've, we've gotten through 3 thus far. And um, I'm actually in reading and studying and putting some notes down. Um, been honestly pretty excited about some of the things we're going to see in Romans 4. It's not all just Paul repeating himself over and over again and trying to drive home one particular point. But he kind of expounds a little more on, uh, on a little bit, a, a different point that goes along with what he's already covered in three chapters, or as it is, we have the, the first part of the letter that he wrote. And, uh, and so as we look here at Romans chapter four, um, we, we have a, a main theme that we've laid out for each chapter as well as some key verses. And so let me give you those very quickly. Um, The main theme you'll find through chapter four is basically this, kind of a two-part theme. It's Abraham, but it's also dealing with Abraham and imputed righteousness. Abraham and imputed righteousness, um, or righteousness accounted or placed on for accounting purpose. And so the imputed is basically... Given, given for a particular purpose. And uh, and so Abraham uh, is the one mentioned in Romans 4 a good bit. We're going to look at him. I believe uh, in, in reading it, the uh, the two key verses together, to me, would kind of sum up the overall point of what uh, Paul is trying to get across. And that would be verse number 16 and 17. It's a little ahead of where we're going to be tonight, but verse 16 and 17 Says this, therefore it is of faith, that it might be by grace, to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law. Or may I say, you'll see in a minute, he's talking about those that consider themselves of the circumcision, the law, the Jew, not just of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, I'm going to qualify a statement that I made a few services ago concerning the fact that in the spiritual light of things, Paul was building a, a premise to the fact that there is not just a physical seed of Abraham, but there is also a spiritual seed of Abraham that completes the entirety of God's promise that he would make the seed of Abraham as the stars of the sky, as the sands of the sea. It wasn't talking about just the physical seed of Abraham being the Jews, but he was talking about all the seed of Abraham, which you'll we'll find out in a minute, he mentions in Old Testament, in Genesis, that he would make him the father of many nations. Not the father of a great nation. So it's a plurality of nations, which means a plurality of peoples. And how can one man outside of, I understand, we all come from Adam and Eve, and then eventually you get down. Actually, you get down to we come from Noah, and from there you go back further. It's Adam and Eve originated, all right? But I understand how multiple peoples can come from, from one line over a great period of time, but the Lord was not talking about multiple peoples in the sense of Um, the physical nation physical aspects of the seed of Abraham and Paul explains this right here in chapter 4 and so he said that he's who is the father of us all now may I ask you the question in verse number 16 when he says the father of us all prior when we look at chapter 1 chapter 2 and chapter 3 what is and I'm going to give you a little bit of a of a, of a classroom-type setting here. I'll give you a chance to answer. What is one of the main things that we've discussed that Paul is constantly trying to get across from chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3? Paul is trying to get across to the Jews in Rome that there is one major aspect they cannot ignore concerning Jew. And Gentile, what's that major aspect? We've all sinned. We are all the same in the eyes of God, not in nationality, not in background, but we're dealing in man's condition and man's need and man's opportunity to have that need met through Christ we are all the same. So he's been trying to build the understanding chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 that though we are different in the there are those of the circumcision, those who had the law of Moses. And there are those of the uncircumcision, those who had not the law, they are the outsiders. Jew, gentile, but we are all one when we're talking about the spiritual need. God does not di- differentiate or make a big issue over Jew and Gentile being totally different. He says, all have sinned. Everybody's lumped up together. And all have fallen short. We're all in the same condition. So Paul's been building this understanding that in dealing with the The need of eternity and the need of being a child of God, not because of your physical birth, but because of your spiritual rebirth as a child of God, that we are all the same, all in need of the same, and all can receive the same, which would make us of the same family spiritually. So he's been building that. So when he says in verse number 16... But to that also, which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. What is he talking about? The physical all? No. He's talking about the spiritual aspect. Father Abraham. But it's not, some people get mixed up on why he's dealing with this. We're going to prove it in chapter 4. But verse number 17 says, As it is written... I have made thee a father, here we go, of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. And uh, it, we'll we'll look at that statement a little bit later. Uh, but it, it, what God knows can be, what God knows will be, he refers to us, as what he knows we will be. And and so we'll we'll look at that some more later. But let's jump in very quickly to the first if I can do it, first 12 verses. I know y'all are like wow, preacher, you're you're really taking a leap on that one. First 12 verses of chapter 4. What you have in the first 12 verses is basically four questions that are asked in in verse number one, the first part of verse number three, uh, verse number nine, and the first part of verse number 10. You have four basic questions that are asked by Paul, and in the process of these 12 verses, you have all of those questions answered. Now understand, we're dealing with Abraham and imputed righteousness. So the first 12 verses of chapter 4 is dealing specifically with Abraham being justified by faith. Paul is going to put a nail in the coffin of works salvation right here. He does it very strongly and very specifically. So the first question, uh, well, I'll just give you these questions and, and we'll, we'll see them as we go through these verses. So the questions are, in verse number one, what did Abraham find? In his life, in his time, with what he experienced, what was it that Abraham found concerning the truth of forgiveness, the truth of being justified in the eyes of God? What did Father, which don't forget, he's dealing with some very strict Jewish people, and he's dealing with some who've already placed their faith and trust, and he is building on that foundation for them, and some who are struggling with all of this because of their heritage that they're holding on to. Now, what is their heritage? We are of the seed of Abraham. All right, so let's go back to Abraham. What did Abraham find? That's what he asks in verse number one. In verse number three, he starts and says, what does the scripture say about it? Verse number nine, he asks the question, who receives the, I'm wording it in my own way, but who receives the blessing of righteousness? justification and then verse number 10 the first part he asked the question when did abraham receive imputed righteousness when what time frame in his life did he receive imputed righteousness all of these to build on the fact of father abraham we are of the seed of abraham all right let's go back and ask what abraham found Let's go back and ask, what, what justified Abraham? What does the scripture say about it? So, let's read these and let's look and find the answers. In uh, the, the answer to verse number, uh, number one, which is, what did Abraham find, is simply this. It cannot be justification by works. We see in verse number two. So, reading in verse number one, it says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. With all that we've looked at through the first part of this letter that he wrote to Rome, he said, um, what, what did Abraham, our father, concerning the flesh, concerning the need of the flesh, concerning justification of the flesh before God, what did he find? Verse number two, he answers, For if Abraham were justified by works, He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. If he could be justified by his works, he could boast and he could glory in what he did. But he still, he could boast before men, but he still couldn't do it before God because he wouldn't be justified in what he does. And, Not being able to be justified before God of works means that there is only one other option. It cannot be justification by works because you can't stand before God with your filthy rags. It has to be something other than works. So what does Scripture say, Paul asks, and in in, uh, verse number three, he says, For what saith the Scripture? So here, here is a deeper answer to Question number one, and, and, by, and to answer question number two, what, is, what does the Bible say about it? What does Scripture say about it? What does it tell us about Abraham? So uh, he goes on, he says, what, for what, what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, is that focusing on his work? No. It's focusing on his faith. Abraham believed God and his faith made him justified before God. And uh, and so as we're looking at this, Paul, Paul is quoting Genesis 15 and verse number 6. For sake of time, oh no, I'm going to go there. I'm just going to go there. So he's referencing Genesis 15 and and verse number verse number six. And let, me, let me read verse number one through verse number six. It says after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, "Fear not, Abram." No, I should say, he came unto Abram. He said, "Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward." And Abraham said, "Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus?" And Abraham said behold to me thou hast given no seed and lo one born in my house is mine heir. Abraham saying, oh I got a solution lord I've already got an heir by someone who's born under my household even though it's not out of my own seed. And so Uh, The Lord begins to answer. Verse number four, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That is what Paul is referencing in Romans chapter four. And I did not hold my place there, so I've got to turn back to it, all right? So Romans chapter four, he's referencing Genesis chapter 15 and verse number six especially. So Paul quotes from there, but also um, Paul lays out In verse number four of Romans chapter four, he lays out that works, if it was by works, works would make God indebted to us. Verse number four, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if we could work our way to forgiveness and justification, God would then be indebted to us to give us what we have earned. Now, does something sound wrong about that? So Paul is saying, if we can work for justification and our own righteousness, God would then be placed into a debt to us. But he goes on in verse number five, and he says, faith makes us indebted to God. That's why it's not of works, it must be of faith. Verse number five says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. That's a statement in itself, and I don't have time to go any further with it. But to him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Now he's building on how the faith of Abraham, he believed God And the faith of Abraham is what was counted to him and it was imputed, what righteousness was imputed to the account of Abraham, not because of his works to make God indebted to him, but because of his faith in the God who gives righteousness to the ungodly. So... Faith makes me indebted to God because my faith in Him gives me an opportunity to receive from Him who justifieth the ungodly. My faith gives me the opportunity to receive from Him what I don't deserve. Therefore, I am forever in the debt of my Savior. So, Works would, not, would make God indebted to us, whereas faith makes us indebted to a holy God. And then Paul quotes from Psalm 32 in verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to turn there because he pretty much quotes it here um, in, in verse number 6 to verse number 8. He says, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness, without works and here's he lays it out saying blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered blessed is the man to whom the lord will not impute sin why because he's already imputed righteousness only one thing goes either sins imputed or righteousness is imputed and if by faith He has imputed righteousness on my account. Sin can no longer be stuck to me when it comes to the guilt of it. And so he's saying, even David recognized that a holy God chooses to impute righteousness on the account of unworthy men by faith, not by works. And, uh, and so he, he closes that out there um, with verse number eight. Now, verse number nine, I, I'm moving. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap up here. Just, this is too, I can't stop. This is good, all right? So Paul builds on his defense of both Jew and Gentile in verse number nine. He said, the question what we asked was, who receives the blessing of righteousness imputed? Well, Paul says, Cometh the blessedness then upon the circumcision only? What he's saying? Upon the Jew only? Or upon the uncircumcision also? What about the Gentile? Is it for both? And he goes on, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And we say, he's saying, listen, y'all hold this hard. Faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Abraham was the the one who led the way. Father Abraham. All right? Father Abraham. So in comes the fourth question. When did Abraham receive imputed righteousness? We say it's for Jew and Gentile. All are alike. We can all receive forgiveness through Christ, through faith. And we say it's just like it was with Father Abraham. And y'all want to say it's only for the Jew because of Father Abraham. But hold on a second. You're saying it's all about being circumcised. You have to be like us to receive that promise of faith bringing about God's righteousness on your account. Hold on a second. When did Abraham receive the imputed righteousness? He answers that in the next couple of verses. Look at verse um, number 10. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Then he answers, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Basically, I love verse number 11. Y'all get this, okay? Tell me, I'm gonna get y'all to answer very quickly if you can. Tell me if you can figure out what we today would follow that is a very close comparison to what Paul's about to describe circumcision as being, all right? He says, and he received, verse number 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised that he might be the father of all them that believe. Now there you go, Father Abraham. Am I of the seed, the, the, the spiritual seed of Abraham? Yes. That he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, even the Gentile, that righteousness might be imputed unto them, Also, so Abraham, you say, how is he the father? Put it this way. Uh, If you go to Timothy, the book of 1 and 2 Timothy, how many times does Paul refer to Timothy as my son? My son. My son. Was Timothy Paul's son? No. But you'll read, he says, my son in the faith. What makes me a child of Abraham? What makes me of the seed of Abraham? In the spiritual sense, it is Abraham is the one pointed to that it was accounted, imputed to him for righteousness. His faith, believing God, believing in God, is what brought forgiveness and righteousness to his account. He is, you might say, the starting point. That all those who follow the same pattern as Abraham did are of the spiritual seed in that sense because we have followed the same thing he started. Faith in God. Now, He's building this case so they can understand. But he said circumcision, verse number 11, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. Somebody tell me, what is something we do not to receive forgiveness, but as a representation of having already been given forgiveness, but it is a sign to those that I take my stand with God. Baptism. So circumcision is likened unto what we still follow today in the sense of baptism. We are taking an open stand that I am His. And that's what circumcision was in the physical sense for Abraham and his seed physically It was a sign of who do you belong to? And it was for Abraham not not his winning of forgiveness and winning of justification and righteousness because of what he did in following circumcision. He had already received the imputing of righteousness because of faith. The circumcision was what he did afterwards because he already was his. All right? So baptism is going to be that idea, that same thing. It is, baptism is our outward profession of that inward possession. And I got to end. Here it is. Going to finish. All right. Told you. This is just good stuff. I like it. Um, verse, um, verse number uh, 12. Abraham is the spiritual father, he lays out, of both the Jew and Gentile in the matter of faith. Verse number 12, he says, And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but, also, but, but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. So he's doubling down on the fact that this was received before his work of circumcision, which there, most Jews would hold on to hard this this is what this is what makes us special with God well actually no (laughs) that is supposed to be a sign of what you already are in him and if you're not in him it's just something you've done it does not earn you any rights with God it is still by faith and Abraham is the father if you what he's saying is he is the father of faith he believed he placed his faith And now, whether uncircumcised or circumcised, Gentile or Jew, regardless, when we follow the fact that we must place our faith in Him and Him alone to receive forgiveness and the imputing of righteousness on our account, when we follow that, we are following the prescription we are following the example of one that was set all the way back to the Old Testament Abraham and spiritually he in a sense he is the father of the faith movement that's what he's saying he is the father of the faith movement and therefore all those who follow God by faith are following in the footsteps of the one who actually tread the path to begin with does that make sense? It's pretty interesting when you look at it and you realize, man, Paul is building a pretty strong case. Doesn't matter if it's the circumcised Jew or the uncircumcised Gentile, we all have access to the same faith in the same God, to be part of the same family, not by works, but by faith and faith alone. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you. for.